It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike, final hour of the program today. Emily Lonsberry. This is a heavy topic we're going to discuss here over the span of the next half hour. It is one that we have been covering on this program since just about the dawn of the lockdown era, right? When we moved into uh, quarantining, when so many of us started working from home and our movements were much more limited, uh, there were some predictions uh, made at that time, and I hoped and prayed that those predictions wouldn't come true. One such prediction was that there would be uh, a dramatic and unfortunate uh, uptick in domestic violence. And, well, uh, unfortunately, we have come to learn that that prediction uh, has come very true. And that all around this country, uh, there has been a dramatic uptick in domestic violence assaults. Uh, and in fact, we have uh, some numbers, at least from the Salt Lake City Police Department. We'll get into those in just a moment. Uh, but all of this kicks off because in the in the next segment, after the commercial break, we'll be speaking with two Brigham Young University professors who have embarked on a nationwide study looking at this well beyond uh, the borders here of Utah and uh, how this COVID-19 circumstance, this new era in which we live, has contributed to uh, such dramatic, dramatic upturns in uh, domestic violence. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I don't, I don't pretend to understand the, uh, the mentality of those uh, who are moved to abuse someone. But I do know I can't, I can't stand them. I despise them. You know, uh, you, you're not the only one going through these stressful times, all right? Your situation is not unique, okay? There is no excuse for you to raise your hand and abuse those with whom uh, you share a home and who you are expected to love, members of your own family. Yeah, if, if, if you are so burdened by the stresses of not going outside as often as you used to, or uh, maybe, maybe there are some financial struggles uh, that you are facing right now, and your only way to release that stress and anxiety is to uh, lay your hands on members of your own family, lay your hands uh, on those uh, who live under your same roof, you are weak and small. There is no excuse. And one of the unfortunate circumstances which has come about due to uh, our uh, you know, isolation and staying at home more often than in uh, times past is that while we have an observable uptick, that may be only a fraction of the actual uptick in domestic violence. Why? Well, because there is speculation like this that there are individuals who are at home, who are victims of abuse, who because of the proximity to their abuser do not have the opportunity to make a call for help. That's doubly heartbreaking. Let's look at the numbers. 
Amy this morning uh, called over to the Salt Lake City Police Department. She had a conversation with Detective Greg Wilking. Uh, he said that the department has seen a 17% increase in domestic-related uh, assaults year-to-date. That's this year compared to last year. Uh, Detective Wilking explains what that means. It's an upward trend saying that if we continue on this pace, we'll continue to be higher this year than we were last year. And that averages up over the five-year trend as well. In the past, Detective Wilking said that, uh, that they have seen spikes during the holidays. The, the, the guesstimate there would be that people are home more and they're dealing with more stress, uh, but it is nothing compared to this 17% increase. I haven't had anything quite like that. I mean, we, we do see some upticks around the holidays, and, you know, that year to year uh, can fluctuate uh, depending on some of the uh, economic factors, and obviously as we move towards the holidays, we'll be watching this as well. Now, I did some speculating as to why this may be the case. The detective, uh, with much more experience and wisdom than I, did some speculating of his own, and he expects that people are dealing simply with much more stress right now. This isn't uh, a crime trend that we want to see continue. Um, We understand that uh, there's a lot of stresses right now um there has been uh, since march since this began and um uh, those stresses range in a bunch of different uh manners in terms of uh financial uh relationship strains from being together from not being able to get out and do as much and then lastly, the detective went on to talk about the need and importance for people to reach out for help. I think the important thing to realize is that there are resources out there. There is help. And um, in, in so many of these domestic violence cases, uh, it gets worse. Uh, the, the violence escalates. So when you have an incident of domestic violence, you need to have some uh, intervention in that you need to get uh, authorities involved to get get some help whatever the case may be because it, it could get worse and and that's what we want to avoid is people um, putting themselves into situations that that <clears throat> that that get get more and more serious in terms of uh, the violence uh, ultimately a lot of domestic violence situations uh if they continue, um, will will progress, get worse, and then uh, could end in death. And so uh, we want people to avoid that, get help, realize that there are resources out there. I hate this coronavirus. I hate all that it has foisted upon us. I hate everything that it has taken from us. And I understand that that frustration is felt by many. We got to keep that frustration in check. We can't let it control us. We must uh, continue to control ourselves. If you or someone you know uh, is the victim of domestic violence, you can call the police. And there is also a crisis line. That's the link line. The statewide domestic violence info line will link you to free help, including counseling, shelter, transportation, advocacy, and other services. The number is this. It is 1-800-897-LINK. 
1-800-897-LINK. Again, if you or someone you know is the victim of domestic violence, there are resources there for you. Do not hesitate to call. I know that with the close proximity potentially to uh, the perpetrator of this violence, it may be difficult. Uh, but if you can pull it off, there is help standing by. 1-800-897-LINK. Quick break. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Brigham Young University researchers looking at this issue on a national scale. We'll see what they have learned and how it can help the situations here in Utah. That's next on Live Mike. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh, a heavy topic we're covering here, and that is domestic violence. We heard from the Salt Lake City Police Department before the news break there, and we learned, unfortunately, that... The department in Salt Lake City has seen a rise of 17%, a 17% increase in domestic-related assaults year-to-date this year uh, when you compare that to last year. Now, uh, we also know that this trend associated certainly with the coronavirus uh, is not isolated to Utah, that there uh, are an increase in occurrences of this type of crime uh, happening throughout the country. And it was a pair of BYU researchers uh, who took a look at this problem nationally, collecting information from uh, across the country to really get a sense of what's happening uh, around the United States. Joining me now, uh, one of those economics professors from Brigham Young University is uh, Riley Wilson. Joining me now, Riley, uh, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about some of the findings you made and, of course, how you went about uh, executing this study. Yeah, so um, we are looking at 14 large metropolitan areas across the United States, and we're looking at what happens to calls for service about domestic violence. And so sort of similar to what the police chief in Salt Lake City was suggesting, you know, what we're doing is we're looking at the level of domestic violence calls and seeing how it compares relative to previous years. And what we end up seeing is starting around the second week of March or so, the week of March 9th, uh, and this happens to be the same week that like the World Health Organization declared coronavirus a pandemic the same week that President Trump declared it a national emergency. We end up seeing this jump in domestic violence, and we end up seeing levels that are about 7.5% higher on average across these different areas. And this continues to stay elevated throughout March, April, and May, and that's sort of where the data leaves off. We can't really explore past that too much yet. But it stays elevated slightly higher during the first couple of weeks, about 10% or so. And uh, so it just is suggestive that there's this large increase uh, in domestic violence that really seems to be driven by the impacts of the pandemic. We're also joined by Emily Leslie, a fellow economics professor, participated in this study. Emily, welcome to the program. There was another observation you made in your studies, and it it has to do with the the nature of the perpetrators. I would presume that, that, and this is just my ignorance, I would presume that those who had in the past perpetrated domestic violence would be responsible for the uptick today, but you're finding something different. What is that? Yeah, that's a really interesting um, part of our analysis, something that I I don't know that um, I was expecting, but we did compare... um, and look at city blocks that had had a call recently within the past six months or so compared with those that, that hadn't had a recent call. And we found um, evidence that there were pretty large effects in areas that had not had a recent history of these domestic violence type calls. So from that, we, we learned that there seems to be new 
households that, you know, haven't been recently um, struggling with domestic violence that, that um, unfortunately join into that population. And, you know, that's, that's a real cause for concern. I think something that, um, as Detective Wilking said, you know, there's so much room for escalation with domestic violence dynamics. And so we really should be concerned about um, new families or couples or households getting caught up in that cycle as well. I know you looked at, uh, and either of you, please feel free to respond to this. I know you looked at uh, 14 cities across the country, and uh, you're seeing a 7.5% increase in domestic violence-related calls. And yet we hear here in Salt Lake City from the, from the, the detective, uh, we're seeing 17%. Were there, were there, how does Salt Lake City compare to the, the, the other countries, or I'm sorry, the other cities you studied? Yeah, so in, in what we were looking at, we, um, it's sort of hard to be able to uh, statistically decide if things are, are statistically different. And so, like the, the detective was suggesting, the levels were higher in the Salt Lake. And obviously, the 7.5%, that's an average. And so there are some cities that were above and some cities that were below that. Uh, one thing that we, did, we do know, though, is um, we can sort of look across the cities and we can exclude cities and we end up seeing that sort of the effects are quite similar depending on what our specification is. And so like that would really suggest that this is fairly widespread. It's not just driven by one city, but it really seems to be something that's happening across the country, at least in these urban areas. While there's certainly an uptick across the board, were there more severe or more dramatic upticks in any certain city? I think the the problem from an... Um, from the statistical analysis point of view, is that all of these estimates have a margin of error on them. Mm-hmm. And so we can't really say for sure um, because of the margin of error whether, you know, with just looking at individual cities one by one, which ones were for sure larger than others. So we're kind of trying to be cautious and only and not over-interpreting the numbers that we got from from our results. But, um, you know, the the numbers that the detective reported were obviously larger than what we saw on average using the calls data that we had. Yeah. Are, are, are there any indications as to what might be helpful to, to policymakers as they look to try to mitigate uh, this uptick? Is, is there anything in your findings uh, that could help in, inform their decision-making? You know, I really, I really wish we could say a lot more about that. So this was something we were interested in trying to understand better. Is, is there some sort of policy response that could mitigate this impact of the pandemic? Uh, so uh, we don't have much to say on that. There are several points that I think are important. So one is we actually see that this rise in domestic violence calls for service, it begins um, even before there's any state mandates in place. So before people are being required to stay home from their governor, for example, we end up seeing we, we can go in and look at like uh, geocoded cell phone data and we can see that people are staying at home more and we see the rise in domestic violence before that. And I think that's pretty telling that, you know, this increase isn't driven by the fact that people are being forced or required to stay at home. It's sort of this there's so much uncertainty brought on by the pandemic that people were staying at home before that and we end up seeing the rise. So it's not clear that simply like the on and the off of these stay-at-home orders is the things that's going to matter. Um, one thing that people have really suggested is, um, you know, the pandemic has brought a, brought a lot of unemployment and financial uncertainty. 
And so maybe like the stimulus payments could help. And uh, like if we look at our data in the week when the stimulus payments from the federal government, from the CARES Act, when they went out, we end up seeing that levels are slightly lower, but we're not really confident enough to hang our hat on that and say providing financial payments is going to do it. Um, But we do think that's probably worth exploring more. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, Well, I am grateful to you for your research. I know it's hard and difficult stuff, and the data through which you comb to arrive at these numbers probably not easy to look at, uh, but it is the reality being faced by so many Americans right now, and we're not immune from it here in Utah. So thank you for looking at this. And as uh, this research develops, if you get closer to any type of policy recommendations or observations, uh, please let's connect again and, and chat about it here on this program. Great. Will do. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Uh, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. The two big uh, bits of information there, which I wouldn't have uh, guessed, would be that uh, this domestic violence, as there has been an uptick, it's, it's first-time offenders. Those are the individuals making up uh, the, the, the lion's share of the, of the new uh, increasing uh, offenders. And that there was... There was a measurable downturn in domestic violence the week the stimulus checks went out. That is fascinating. That is something that uh, demands uh, further explanation, and we'll do so. Uh, We're going to take a quick break now. When we return, my guest, Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News, host of Inside Sources, expert on all things politics and otherwise, he's going to talk to us about that moonshot challenge that has been laid out across this great state. 43 days in, about two weeks left. We'll track our progress, see what more we have to accomplish. That's all next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.